Lord, I thank you that we can be here together. I thank you for family. I thank you for our closeness in you, Lord. I pray that we would just continue to grow in you, that we would be deeper in you, Lord. We just don't want to stay at the same level of relationship. We want to come closer and closer to you and know you more and more. Angels, I ask that you be here to help as we minister this morning. Holy Spirit, come and touch our hearts. We just lay aside all the things that might distract us and focus upon you and your word this morning, Lord. I pray your peace here. Just let your peace come. Let your peace come, Lord. Lift off burdens. Rest in you. In Jesus' name. I want to speak about the basics today <clears throat> and uh, just about some of the things the Lord's been sharing with me about um, just what he's doing and just be able to keep, keep you know, that we don't get so puffed up with things that we lose it and blow around like a balloon when it's been let go and just and, you know, go a bit crazy, but that we need to um, just focus and ground ourselves in him. And there's some basic things that we do that, but you know, we took Philip shared about that we want to we want to run after the things that God, everything that God is doing. That we want to be forerunners. We want to not just sit back and let things happen. That we want God. Does everybody on the same page with that? That we actually just want to keep on growing in Him. I don't want to be the same this year um, as I was last year. I don't want to just know God like I knew him last year. I want to know him more and more and the wonders of his person more deeply and fully and that we just keep on growing in him because there is no end in him and we just, it says that he shares the mysteries and the revelations of heaven with us. So our walk should never be boring and he wants us to keep on knowing him. He went to a great lengths for us to do that. That's why Jesus came. So that we'd be no separation from, you know, when, when God created the world and he created the garden of Eve and he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the evening. He walked and talked with them. And that's what he wants us to be like is just to know his heart. But there's some things that are just basic to that happening and that's what I want to share about this morning. Um, it's not about just an experience. You know, we can feel God or we might have had prayer and something happened or, you know, we have a great worship time or hear a great message and it's like, oh, it's such a great experience. We go to a conference or a concert. It's actually about knowing him and about being close to him. I was reading, um, I've been reading Brother Lawrence. He was a monk back in the 1600s and uh he, he um, had this thing about just pursuing his presence and being in God's presence 24-7. And he said, and it's something I've been really focusing on doing, is that we don't do anything, think anything, or say anything that might offend him. If we focus on doing and saying and thinking only those things that please him and don't offend him, then we just draw close to him. Because when you think about you have a thought, and you don't leave that thought unchecked and you go, is that okay, that thought? Or should I chuck that one out? I don't want to offend God with my thoughts. Or we go to say something. And, you know, we have a lot of throw out things and Australians have a sense of pull the, you know, pull, pulling down people or making a comment and we have this kind of backhanded sense of humour, don't we? And it's like, but should we say it? 
what I say, does it offend God? So what I think, does it offend him? What I say, does it offend him? And what I do, does it offend him? Where we go, what we watch, what we read, what we surround ourselves with, does it offend him? Because if we want to know him more, we need to think about what we're doing, what we're thinking and what we're saying that it doesn't offend. You know, if you've got somebody you love, you make an effort to not hurt them, hopefully. Yeah? That you don't want to do something that's going to hurt them or offend them. You don't want to say something that's just, you know, a throw-out line that would hurt them. You don't want to think something that's not great towards them. That's what love is. And it's the same with the Lord, is that we don't do, think or say things that might offend him. It's a pursuit of his presence that causes that motivation that I want to know God more and these are the things I do and think and say because I just want to draw close to him. God never moves away from us, but we can move away from him by what we do and think and say. Um, Brother Lawrence, he says... For him, common business, no matter how mundane or routine, was a medium of God's love. The issue was not the sacredness or worldly status of the task, but the motivation behind it. So what he did, it didn't matter if it was mundane, like scrubbing the pots or, you know, leading worship in a great big cathedral. To him, it was all the, all the same. It was, or is it needful that we should have great things to do? And I really want us to focus on this point. It's not actually needful for us to have great things to do. We can do little things for God. He says, I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done, if there is nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself and worship before him who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground for the love of God. Whether he was just frying a pancake in the, in the kitchen where he worked or he was walking along and cleaning up something, if he did it with a motivation that he just loved God, whatever he did, that he was just motivated, it wasn't needful to do great things. God, you know, God loves us to do and he plans things for us to do, but if we only love him in the great big things and we forget him in the little things of life, then we do, we're not living in his presence like he wants us to. It's not needful for us to do these great big things to know him. Yeah, understand that. It's like he wants us to 24-7 just keep on turning our our face towards him and recognizing him in our day. And if you're standing there cooking or cleaning or doing the garden or paperwork, that you just know that he's with you and that you're doing it for the love of him. He says the path to perfect union is not easy as it takes disciplining our hearts and minds to yield to God's presence. And as often as we can, we place ourselves as a worshipper before him, fixing our mind upon his presence, recalling it when we find it wandering from him. And when we want to live close to him, we have to keep on recollecting because there's so many distractions. There's so many things that can grab our attention. The kids are yelling, you know, the work is calling, or there's things to do and, and there's a lot of need around us. And there's a lot of activity around us, the TV, Facebook, You know, things come up on your phone all the time, the news. There's so many distractions. But yet if we just keep on recollecting him, you know, it's like just recollect him all the time through your day. And if you forget him for a couple of hours, say, Jesus, I'm so sorry, and come back and remember him. 
Now, these are the basic things of our faith. It's not just just coming to church on Sunday or reading your Bible in the morning and that's it. He wants more than that because he knows that if you recollect him and keep on focusing upon him, you're going to grow, you're going to do, you know, just experience him and know him for who he is. It's not enough for me to just, you know, know him in the morning and then forget him for the rest of the day. It's more than that. There is so much more. And yes, he will cause us to do great things for him and sometimes little things, but it's in knowing him that we find that. It's in the little things of our day and the little things, just remembering him and recollecting him in our thoughts and, and focusing on in him. When God created the world, you know, there was a big bang. Science and the Bible don't don't um, aren't separate, you know. Church has often gone, oh, no, that wasn't that. But in actual fact, there was a big bang. There was God. And he decided that he wanted to create the universe and he wanted to create mankind because he wanted relationship and a family. So what he did is he just went, of himself. He just let out the essence of who he was. Now, if you think about who God is, the Bible says that God is love. So all he did is he went, and let out love and the essence of who he is. He let out compassion. He let out kindness. He let out his righteousness. He let out his holiness. Now, if you think about that, that that was a big bang, that there was a massive, massive explosion of God's love that just went boom out from the very center of his being. And it created the universe and the stars and the planets and the heavens were created. And it was bang out of his love. So there was a big bang. And then he started to create the, the, you know, what we see as creation all around us. But God, he says, is actually in the air that we breathe. The universe is encompassed by that essence. So you actually have God all around you. You don't have to seek and struggle after him in the sense of where is God. He's actually all around us. You're created in his presence. So you don't have to go, where's God, where's God, and struggle and strive. Just turn, and he's there. Love is all around us. Isn't there a song that says that? It's in, yeah? Feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my... (laughs) He's going to sing now. But it's it's all around us because... and, And that's a really cool thought, if you think about that, that God is actually all around us, that we're in a bubble of his love. He let out his love and then in the monks that love, he created the universe. So you are surrounded 24-7 by him. The very air that you breathe, the Bible says and acts, is that we live and breathe and have our being in him. How do we do that? Because he created the universe by letting out the essence of who he is. So you're surrounded. Everybody is surrounded by his love and his compassion all the time. Just people don't know and people have forgotten so he's not far from us. So all we've got to do is just recollect him. Oh, there's God. I mean, you see it all in creation, you can see. And that's why the rocks will cry out if we don't praise him, because they know. All creation knows. God intended that we should seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. That's Acts chapter 17, verse 28. So what I want to talk about this morning is the basics of how we carefully walk in that, that God is all around us and that we the best way to remain close and aware of him 
for a lifetime is to actually do a couple of things. Um, and even when we may get, you know, get ourselves in a spiritual hole and go, oh, you know, just nothing's happening and I feel far from God because we've stopped recollecting him or understanding that he's actually all around us. These things can help us get back to, to a level keel. Um, so what are the Christian basics? So I've drawn a little picture here. It's not a basketball field or a cricket, whatever you thought it was, baseball field. It's actually a wheel. And in the centre of the wheel is where it all begins. And uh, it can be s- simply described as... Philip, can you hold it for me? That way. No. All right, you're going to write for me? No, no, actually, don't write for me. All right, so this diagram shows four spokes. You've got a circle. Now, it's a wheel for a reason. Okay, there's a circle and there's four spokes. There's the vertical ones and there's the horizontal ones. The vertical ones are prayer and study. And the horizontal ones are service and fellowship. We all got that? (laughs) Thank you, dear. Now, it's well-rounded because that's how we need to be in our walk. If we were not, if we were, it was not rounded, then we would be all wompy and bumpy and lopsided. But God knows what we need. So when one or more spokes are broken or missing, we go round and round and round and out of kilter. You know, you see a wheel with a broken spoke, it like bumps along. And uh, we become kind of out of kilter. Has anybody ever felt out of kilter? Just things aren't right. You feel just a bit wobbly, you know, like they used to have a wheel that wasn't around and it was like square and it, you saw the, you've seen the medieval cart and it was like they bump along. And it's like, but God wants us to be well-rounded. Um, our task is to keep these spokes solidly in place. So we want these spokes here to constantly be solidly in place in our walk with him. And when, a, when any of us are experiencing difficulties in our daily walk with God, we just need to examine whether these things are where they should be. Does that make sense? If they're not offline, they're not broken, you haven't let one just, you know, fall by the wayside. Because where one of them is broken, you're going to be lopsided and, and you'll feel that. You'll actually bump along in your Christian walk. You'll feel out of kilter. Okay? And we just have to make sure they're sturdy and firmly in place. The first one is prayer or a relationship with Jesus. That's just talking and listening. If we don't have this one firmly in place, so the prayer and the study of who God is, they're the vertical ones. They're the ones that we do this way with God. Our relationship with God is to him. He's all around us, but we connect with him that way. And then the service and fellowship are the other way. That's to do with, they're the horizontal to do with how we relate to others. So prayer and study of who God is, that connects us with, you know, towards heaven. And horizontal is how we relate to others. You can't have just one and not the other. You get out of kilter. You have to have all of those things working together. We have to relate to others to live out our relationship with Jesus. We have to relate to Jesus to be able to live out of a relationship to others. If you just try and serve and be good and yet you do not spend time with God, then it's just good works. 
And if you just have spent time with God, but you do not live out and work out your salvation by putting into others and, and a blessing to others, then you're all out of kilter as well. So it's a simple thing to remember. Firstly is prayer. And prayer is just a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. Our goal is not to pray or even to pray well. You know, are you a good prayer? You hear people say that. Are you good at praying? Are you a good prayer? But in actual, it's an actual to grow in our personal relationship with God. That's why we pray. It's okay, hon. That's how we, why we pray. It's not to pray well or are you a good prayer or, you know, oh, you're one of those people that can pray for 24 hours and all nights, you know, all those night prayer meetings, which are great. I'm having got the all night prayer meetings. But it's not actually our goal to pray or to pray well. Our goal is to know him. Our goal is to know him. Sometimes when you pray, you just sit in his presence. It's not a work. It's a relationship. It's a balancing factor between the structure we need in order to maintain faithfulness and the freedom we need in order to follow the Holy Spirit leading. Yes, we pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those in our family and those that we're believing to come to know Jesus. We do that. So there's a balance. But if it's all one-sided, you get it out and it just becomes a work. Oh, I've got to pray. Anybody there? Oh, I've got to do that. It's a should. It becomes a doing rather than a being. God sometimes just wants to sit in his presence and just enjoy him. So prayer is, is not a goal in itself. The goal is to know him and grow in our relationship with him. That's really important. Don't let it become a work. Just enjoy his presence and out of that, your heart will pray. More words have been written about prayer than any other Christian topic. There are books and articles on how to pray, when to pray, where to pray, how often to pray and so on. Anybody know that? It can become overwhelming. If there is that much to know about praying, no wonder we find it difficult. Actually, though, all of these topics are important. Prayer really is very simple. I want you to remember this. It is a matter of loving God and being loved by him, of speaking to God and letting him speak back. What is so complicated about that? It's simply loving God and letting him love you back, of talking to him and letting him talk back. Talk back. That's all prayer is. It's just knowing him and letting him know us. He knows us, but we can shut things off in our life from him. So loving him and talking and him loving us and talking to us. He doesn't dwell in our study or our guest room or wherever you pray at the kitchen table or under your covers before anybody gets up in the morning and interrupts you, but it's in our heart. The goal is just to know him. So don't get too busy praying, all those prayers and intercessory people. Don't get too busy praying that you don't notice him there. Now we can do that. I've got to pray, I've got to speak this and all those things. But we can get too busy praying to actually notice him. It's just a shift in our thinking of concentrating on him and then the prayer will come. Okay, the other one is study. So we've got our vertical spokes. You've got prayer happening, you're just knowing him, hanging out with him. And then you've got study. Now that sounds like a work, doesn't it? Relax, it's not. I want to just read a quote to you. It says, it would, be strange, it would be a strange God who could be loved better by knowing him less. If we love God knowing a little about him, we can love God more from knowing more about him. 
For every new thing known about God is a new reason for loving him. Can we read that again? It would be a strange God who could be loved better by knowing less. If we love God knowing a little about him, we can love God more from knowing more about him. For every new thing known about God is a new reason for loving him. We study then that we may know God better and then love him more. But how do we study him? What does it mean to find out more about him? We spend time with him. We read the Bible because that talks about him. It's his words. We read books that talk about him, that draw us closer to him. We might have a devotional that just triggers the thought, oh, I haven't seen that aspect about God before. And we listen to teaching and preaching. It doesn't just have to be us. There's plenty of stuff on the internet that just, oh, just that revelation. But the main way we know him is just to sit in his presence and to read his word and to study him out for ourselves. Now, we're here with each other to encourage one another. And, you know, one person will get a revelation about God that you might not have seen. And so you go, oh, I'm going to go and have a look and see that. And we help one another. But the main reason we study is because we might know him a little bit now, but if we study who he is as a person, as, a, as our God, as the person of who he is, then we're going to love him more. Because there's nothing about God that you're going to find out that is going to cause you to love him less. You know, when you first meet someone and, and the young ones say, I'm going to tease them for a minute, but when they meet somebody, the girls here, I'll pick on the girls, when they spy somebody, the guys at uni or I don't know, wherever else they find a man, um, that you know what they do, don't you? They find their name. If they can, they friend them on Facebook and then they study them on Facebook. You can do a lot of study on Facebook. Now, come on, give me a bit of help. You can, can't you? Just not. It's called stalking. <laughs> and Instagram and everything else, Snapchat, they actually study them up. They see which movies they like. They study which music they like. They listen to the music if they don't know anything about it to make sure they know what music it is so they don't look stupid if they mention it. They, watch them, no, they, they have a look at the movies and go, oh, I better watch that. They study them out, don't you? Yes, they do. Come on, fess up. They do. They study them out. It's because they want to know about the person that's caught their attention. Now, if we do that in the natural plane of somebody that maybe we're going to fall in love with, that's all it is when we study God and study who he is, is we're just like, I want to know about him so that I might love him more. Does that make sense? It's not just girls that do that. Guys do it too. They're, they're really great stalkers. But it's like, you can be, you can be, it's true, it's true. <laughs> now, uh, so I think that God's word gives us the ultimate ability and permission to be God stalkers. We're allowed to stalk them out. We're, and the, he might not have Facebook. He's got Facebook. Oh, good job there. <laughs> He's got Facebook, not Facebook. And you find him when you study his word. You find him hidden in there and he will, he will reveal mysteries to you. He will reveal himself where maybe you might not have seen it in a clear day. You know, he likes to hide things from us that we might just come and find them. 
He loves to do that. He's like, oh, finally, they're getting it. Oh, yes, I'm over here. He likes to just, the hidden things that he might reveal them to us. And the Holy Spirit helps us with that. He guides us and counsels with us. So you're allowed to be a God stalker. He says he wants us to study him because if you love him a little now, when you study him, you're going to love him a whole lot more. And that's why we pray to be in relationship and we study to know and love him more. If you get those two happening on that spoke, you're going to stay connected to him. You're in him, he's in you, and you'll draw close to him. And the more you know him, the more you'll love him. And the more you study him, the more you're going to want to study him more. Amen? Okay, the next one is service. This is the one, the horizontal spokes, where we actually live out in day-to-day life around other people. This is connected to God. This horizontal is connected to people. Christianity is sometimes presented as the ultimate self-improvement program. And many Christians busy themselves almost exclusively with their own spiritual development to the neglect of the service of God and others. You know, yes, God says I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to bless you, that I have hopes and plans and dreams for you. I have things for you to do. And that is all true. He wants us to have that. And then when we pray and we study and, and put ourselves in a place where we can hear from him, he does that. He does improve us. I am so glad I know him because the closer I draw to him, the more he draws out the person that I'm meant to be, that he created to me, that's under all that stuff. He does improve us. But he also wants us to reach out to the world in service and in blessing. And sometimes we see service as a work. See, none of this is works. This has got such a grace on it when it's done in him. So Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is at work in us, not just for our own personal development. He also wants to equip and energize us for service, to turn us outward to work through us. So if the things that God is putting in you, when you realize how much he loves us and how much he has for us, he wants then that to work out of us that you actually bless the world because he, of how much blessing. It's like you get so full of God because you're spending time with him and studying him and knowing him more. It's like, you know, your fizzy bottle and it gets, you keep on shaking it up and then it comes out the top. It has to be out of the overflow. You know, we give and we bless people out of the overflow. It becomes a work when we don't have anything overflowing. It becomes a work when we don't have anything overflowing, we've got to drag good works out of us. We've got to drag being blessing, being blessing to others out of us. But when we're spending time with him and studying him, it just gets higher and higher and higher in us until we feel like a cork about, you know, need to let the cork out. And that's how God wants it to be. I think it's Griffo Dollar says you give and you preach and you, and you speak out of the overflow of your heart. When you feel like you're going to drag it up and it's hard work, Go back to the vertical spokes. Spend more time with him because then it's easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't want it to be work. He wants to have a grace on it. So when you feel like you're out of kilter and it becomes hard, go back to the vertical spokes and spend more time with him and study out what he says. And you'll soon bubble up again. The first step is to take on the thought of service is seeing our whole lives is given over to pleasing God. Remember that we would do nothing, say nothing, think nothing that would offend him. What we do with our time is an outworking of that. 
Look at the various aspects of your life as avenues for advancing God's kingdom. What can you do? The routine of daily life changes dramatically when we approach it from this perspective. What can I do? Not what can't I do, because I can tell you what I can't do in two seconds. But what can I do? It's never, Brother Lawrence says, nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. And when he can trust us and we can step out in faith in the little things, he says that he will then give us more. Not that it become a burden, but become a grace and a blessing. Mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Not all of us can do great things all the time, but we can do small things with great love. She also said, if you can't feed 100 people, then feed just one. You see, it's just in the little things, in the everyday day things. Yes, there is going to be times when we do exploits for God. It says in his word that, that we will do greater things than he has done. And we should walk and expect that. But if we just obey and bless in the little things, that is, that is an act of service. That is just letting the things that God has put in our life just give out. You know, the young adults, some of them, they went and they made cookies and baskets and they went and blessed people on Wednesday night. They did acts of kindness. And they really did bless. They prayed for those that felt comfortable for them to pray. It was just a little thing. You know, they made cookies and, and um, what else, flour, bought a bunch of flowers and they just went out and blessed someone. Now, that was a little thing for them to do, but it actually was a big thing in the, the recipient. So it's just doing the little things that we can do. If you can't feed 100 people, if you can't bless 100 people, then just find one that you can bless. Does that make sense? It's easy. See, it's not a work when we think of serving God like that and service. It's just what can I do? What's the one person that I can bless and give to? What is the little thing I can do? The last one is fellowship. So we've got service and then we have fellowship. We're better together, people. We are. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that, that we're actually better together. You know, if you have a little pocket watch and you, um, and you open it up, you know, I have this little pocket watch that my grandmother gave me. And um, it's a silver pocket watch and it's, oh, it must be over 100 years old now. But inside there's all these little workings. There's cogs and there's springs and there's, you know, little bits and bobs in there that make it all work. And when you put it all together, that makes the watch work. You know you've seen a watch and it's got all little bits. It's amazing, really. And, or a computer is the same. I even have my computer out and there's bits and bobs in there. And they all work, every component works together. And uh, that's what it's like when we talk about fellowship or connection or community. Is if, when we're talking about that is that we actually, we all fit together. We all fellowship together. We're all connected together and we're better together. And um, how we're better together is when we worship together. There is a, something that happens when we come and we worship together and we, as in worship like we are now or sing or do something that is worship to God together. There's something that happens. There's something that happens when we fellowship and mutual support that we can help one another. That we serve together. You know, when they went out on Wednesday night, they did it together. It wasn't so hard when you do it together. So there is real power and balance when we, when we actually fellowship. And that's why it says don't neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. 
He actually says there's benefit and keeps that wheel turning how it should when we do things together. Now, some of us are a little bit introverted, and so we would rather do things by ourselves. Some of us, we might have been hurt or disappointed by others, and so we would rather do things by ourselves. Some of us are just, I can do that by myself. Why would I bother? But God says we're better together. He actually says in Romans 12 verse 5, just as each of us has one body with many members and not all members have the same function, so in Christ we who are many are one body and each member belongs to one another. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And if someone gift us prophecy, let him use it to the portion of his faith. If someone is preaching, if someone is serving, if someone is giving, etc., etc., you'll find the whole scripture. But it's like he says we're better together. And sometimes we can think, well, nobody's going to notice. But when you're not here, we notice because we're one body. God puts us together and makes all the parts work. And so we're better together. So when we don't have that fellowship, when we don't spend time together, it makes the wheel not go round as smoothly as it should because God knows what we need. We need prayer with him. We need communion with him. We need to know and study him because when we study him, we love him more and we know who he is. We need to be able to outwork our faith and bless others because otherwise we're just all puffed up with spiritual stuff but we don't outwork it in practical things. The practical is spiritual. They usually work hand in hand. And we need one another. We need to spend time with one another. You know, you might have a revelation or a word that somebody really needs to hear. You might have a, a, you know, ability to bless someone with a meal and they really need that meal. You might be able to fix a car and that person really needs their car fixed. You might just be able to be a shoulder to just rest on and have a good cry on because that person needs it. You know, each one of us has gifts, but if we don't fellowship together and we stay disconnected, and I know in our world it's very easy to stay disconnected. You know, there is a level of disconnection in society. But God says, you're better together. Don't let the thread of connection be broken. Stay together. If you're offended with your brother, work it out. Yeah? As much as you are able. Forgive. Let go. All that stuff. We're better together. So that, that's the basics of actually staying close to God and, and working out and living a full and rich faith walk is that we have prayer and connection with him we study who he is. None of it is works. That we serve him out of that bubbling up overflow and that we stick together. You know, that's why we do things together on a Sunday or a connect group. Or, you know, the early church, they met together in each other's houses every day. You think, oh, goodness. But they did because they knew there was power together. So when you feel like you're a bit bumpy or out of, out of kilter, Look back and go, is one of those spokes not flowing together? It'll keep you on a balance because our, our walk with God is, is balance. Our way through life is balance and we just got to make sure that we stay in balance. And especially as we press into God and we're going, God, we want to know what you have for us to have for us. We want to know you more and things start to be, you know, maybe different to what we expect or like that's not how I've known it is that if we keep those things in place, he's going to talk. He's going to lead, he's going to guide and we'll keep on flowing along instead of getting all bumpy. We want to be smooth and flowing. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray together. 
I know I'm being very practical, but I am practical and, and uh, God is very practical. You know, even when I'll just share a little story before as I finish, is, you know, we often think that it's all about being spiritual when it comes to God, but he actually loses the practical things. Joshua, when he marched around the wall of Jericho, everybody know the Jericho story and it fell down? You know, they marched, the whole of the Israelites marched around Jericho. Well, they actually marched in cadence, which is, all right, that's cadence. So you actually get a beat and they just march. And you see a marching band or something, they march to the same beat. Yes? Well, so he, God, spoke to Joshua and said, march around Jericho. There's this massive wall. March around and march around together. See, we're better together. And so they, I went, all right, well, that's a strange thing. This is this major military giant, Joshua. He's a soldier. He's a strategist. He knew how to fight. He was a kick-butt man. You know, he wasn't some little, oh, no, I don't want to fight. He was ready to go in and take Jericho. And God says, no, I want you to march around. Why would God want to do that? And we think, oh, well, there must be some great spiritual reason. So he gets them all to march around and they march around over time for seven days and at the last time they march around, they give a shout and the walls come tumbling down. And we think, oh, that was God. It's all very spiritual. No, the spiritual part was that they obeyed what God said. They didn't just go off and assume that they were going to go in and fight a battle like normal. They spent time in God's presence. And so when they went around, there's a thing called cadence. And if everybody, how many Jews was there? How many Israelites? Six Million? Millions. And they all ran around. Now imagine the noise you would make all tramping around in the same beat around Jericho. Now when you do that, it actually shakes the very foundations of any building that is around. So when they built the Golden Gate Bridge in America, they had about a million people that wanted to walk across it. And the engineer freaked out and said, if that amount of people walk across the bridge all together... In cadence, you will make that bridge fall down. Whatever you do, do not allow them to walk in time. And so they had to make them not walk in time because the physical, what would happen is that it would fall down. See, God spoke a spiritual truth of just, you follow me, you obey me, don't assume. And then he made the physical work together and that's why the walls of Jericho fell down because they walked in cadence and it would over time, because those walls were so thick, people could live inside them. There was houses inside the wall. So they had to walk around seven times because every time they walked around, it shook the very foundations of that wall. And so on the last time when they shouted, it was enough noise all together in cadence with the stamping that bang, it came down. See, God works in the spirit realm and it also triggers over to the natural. Our job is to know what he's saying and then do it. And that's what this is about, is the basics of our faith, is you know what he's saying, you know who he is, and then you just do it. And then awesome things happen. And that's why God wants us to have a balance, because he knows how it all works. So I encourage you just to spend time with him and know him and study him out, and then do what he says. And any walls or any giants, they're going to come down. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word and the simplicity of just how easy it is to stay knowing you. And Lord, that you want to share who you are with us and that you have plans for us. But there's an outworking of all those things. 
Lord, I ask that you just help us to stay balanced as we, as we move ahead in our journey with you, that you'd help us to stay so that we keep on flowing along together like that wheel. And just help us to deal with anything that is out of kilter in our life, Lord, whether it be that we find it hard to connect to others or we find it that we've been making prayer a work rather than just being with you. That you would help us with these things so that we flow with you and with one another and that we are able to be a blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen.